0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 22, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. The Russia-Georgia conflict has further exposed weakness in NATO and the United States' ability to project power around the globe. So what is the U.S. to do? Stanley Kober, Research Fellow in Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. One of the lessons I think
1: the Russians learned from the experience of the Soviet Union Empires are expensive. That's why they let it go. Um, you know when uh, Gorbachev took over, I was beginning to see stories. I saw them even earlier, you know, the, the cost of the empire. Um, it's just, it, it's just bleeding us dry. It's, you know, it wasn't just Afghanistan. It's you have to support all these other countries. And we Americans should recognize that. How, how did this country come into being no taxation without representation? What was that a result of the French and Indian war? The British said, oh, you know, imperial defense is expensive. You should contribute to your defense. And we said, fine, you know, we should have a voice then in parliament. And I said, that's not the way it works. And, you know, we know how that story went. Um...
0: Well, Evan, let me ask you this: Did uh, did Georgia have a profound misunderstanding of uh, these uh, entrees that they may have had in in terms of uh, being welcomed somewhat to a path toward a NATO membership? That was possibly the
1: case, given what happened at Bucharest summit. Um, They were denied the membership action plan, but at the same time, they were told eventually they would be members of NATO. I have a different concern, however. There seems to be an assumption that the United States has some magical deterrent power, that it is simply a question of our will, uh, not a question of our power. I am baffled by this assumption, but it seems to be underlying this situation um, when we are told this is defense of your values, that's all very well and good. But what precisely can we do at this time? There are two problems here. The first is the simple problem of geography. Georgia is right next to Russia. We are on the other side of the world. You know, There's a phrase I like, um, poor Mexico, so far from God, so close to the United States. You know, it's a reality. You know, Mexico is right next to us. And that gives us certain leverage, um, certain power. Um, Russia is right next to Georgia. We are on the other side of the world. That is geography that cannot be overcome. Second point, what do you do given the constraints on our power? We are running huge budget deficits, our armed forces are already fully committed. In those circumstances, what can you do? And I don't think that was taken sufficiently into account either.
0: Does the full commitment of NATO right now in various parts of the world, did this essentially present an opportunity for uh, Russia then to begin to uh, add to that strain?
1: While NATO has been expanding power um, in its military uh, efforts, basically using up power, Russia has been steadily building up its power. While the United States has been running huge budget deficits, for example, uh, Russia has built up the third largest foreign currency reserves in the world. It's extraordinary when you consider where they were 10 years ago. Um, They were safeguarding the public fisc under Putin's rule, and now they have money with they can spend uh, on their defense. They were letting it slide. My sense was they let it slide even in the initial years of Putin's um, rule a little bit because they wanted to build up the finances first. Once they got themselves on a fairly solid footing there, now you will begin to see – More money going into defense. Um, It's a very prudent approach to the management of power. And more partners, presumably, that they they deal with. And they have been cultivating more powers. They have become very close with China. Something else I noticed, the same day that NATO was meeting in Brussels, uh, there was a Russian delegation in New Delhi, India, that concluded a defense agreement. Um, so NATO was saying no business as usual, but India was conducting business as usual.
0: Well, in an election year, does the, does the level of finger wagging go up when it comes to, uh, trying to tell a a country how to, how to conduct itself? That is always a possibility. The sense that
1: nobody wants to appear weak when there is a time of, uh, perceived danger, perceived threat. You want, to, especially in a country like the United States, you know, want to appear strong. Um, people may think back to 1972, the Vietnam War, still very unpopular, um, but Nixon trouncing McGovern. And they will look at that and say, you, you cannot want to appear weak, even though McGovern personally was a war hero. Something people forget. He um, flew many combat missions over Germany in the Second World War. But he had the image because he was more dovish on Vietnam, even in 1972.
0: Do you think that this whole experience sort of exposes a... sort of a fatal error in the the Bush foreign policy. That is, he seemed to value a great deal these personal relationships that he had cultivated with world leaders, whether or not there was a foundation of general agreement on on policies.
1: Personal relationships can be important. Something I wrote about in in the Cato Handbook previously, Um, nobody could have expected it, but it appears that Gorbachev and Reagan struck a very good personal relationship. And I was struck um, when President Reagan uh, died and uh, Gorbachev came to the funeral, and the words of praise he said, not only about the president but about his widow, I thought gave an insight into how that totally unexpected personal
0: relationship helped end the Cold War. But wasn't that relationship over and above getting some is pretty tense agreements uh, hammered out. That's right.
1: I think uh, I read that, and I, and I hinted at this in the in the handbook, that that may have been critical with the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Agreement, which to my mind was absolutely fundamental to ending the Cold War. That was a real breakthrough. Um, and it appears that some level of trust may have developed there because um, at the time it was an extremely controversial agreement and actually one of the concerns i have right now after we withdrew from the abm treaty with what's going on now there are suggestions out of russia that they may now um denounce the inf agreement and that would really take us back if that were to happen uh, but your basic point is correct it's it's there are always going to be underlying issues of state interest and in policy, and one has to look at those. And in any country, there will be a determination of its national interest, not only by the leader, but by other representative organizations. Um, and they will have a sense of their own history, of their pride, and that has to be taken into account.
0: Stanley Kober is a research fellow in foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. You can read his most recent analysis, Cracks in the Foundation, NATO's New Troubles, at Cato.org.